I want to share keys to relationships. Keys to relationships. And we're going to look at relationships that all of us have. Let's read together Galatians 6 and verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Scripture is telling us do good. I know that there are those who mock the do-gooders, but I bet you they won't turn it aside either if you do good to those who mock. <laughs> Amen. And thank the Lord we have the privilege of obeying the word of the Lord, especially the household of faith. I'm so glad I belong to that household. Amen. <laughs> thank the Lord. You can be seated. The Lord bless you. Keys to relationships. Uh, the Lord created us as social creatures. Um, he pronounced his creation good. It is good. He saw that it was good. But then he said it's not good. And what he said that to was Adam being alone. And so he created a helpmeet. God started families and God started the church. So obviously, he intends for us to be together. Amen. Amen. And so that means relationships. And there are keys to making those relationships as positive as possible. John 15 and 14, the Lord uh, made an incredible statement about friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Now, there's a contingency there, isn't there? Uh, it, it's dependent on something. If we do what he commands us, if we follow through on his word, then there's a special relationship he brings us into, and it's friends. Now, we know we're sons and daughters of God. He's not ashamed to uh, call us his people, and uh, he claims to be our God. He claims to be our Father. What a tremendous relationship he invites us to. But it's interesting that here he says, you're my friends. And then in verse 15 of that same chapter, the very next verse, he says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friends. Amen. For all the things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. So there's a tremendous amount of uh, information, of revelation, of illumination that the Lord wants to share with us in his word. And we sometimes might feel we've gotten a, a pretty good handle on what the word of God says. But we need to become as a child again and uh, receive him as a child with all of the expectancy, all of the trust, all of the uh, dependency and, uh, and recognize he can take us far, far beyond what we've ever experienced in him. And thank God that we can know the power of the Lord. Now, in the earthly relationships, Proverbs 18 and 24, a very well-known passage of Scripture, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. You want to have friends? Be a friend. And... Uh, that, that's a pretty strong key, I think. And thank God there is a friend 
that sticks closer than a brother, and we know that to be the Lord. And thank God that um, the, uh, to be friendly means that there's going to be friends that will respond and uh, come closer to you. Now, we know uh, in our lifetime, uh, there's, there's probably, uh, uh, maybe you could count on both hands uh, those that have been a real close friend. We thank God for uh, acquaintances. We thank God for companions. We thank God for uh, those that we're uh, knowledgeable with. But a real down-to-earth friend, you know what I mean? Um, uh, those are so special and so wonderful. And thank God we're able to enter into that realm and have the blessings of the Lord. My wife has a, a plaque on our wall. I've got plaques everywhere on our walls. But this one says... Don't be crabby. <laughs> now, I like Dungeness crabs. My dad was uh, a crab fisherman, and uh, we spent summers on that boat, and I never got tired of Dungeness crab. I worked in the crab cannery and probably would have gotten arrested for breaking off a leg and chewing on it, but uh, I never got tired of the cook calling out at 7 o'clock in the morning, Breakfast! because the first cook was coming out, you know, the first batch was coming out of the cooker, and, uh, and we were able to grab a bite. But you are what you eat? Where'd that saying come from? <laughs> you know, at Thanksgiving, uh, changing from turkey to ham really doesn't improve the situation that much. But if you eat crab, doesn't mean you have to be a crab. Okay? That's... Uh, when you're trying to be friends. Proverbs 17, 17, I, I, I like the, uh, the repetition of the numbers because they're easy to remember. 17, 17, Proverbs, a friend loveth at all times. And um, I'm thankful that we're privileged to know friends. And a brother is born for adversity. Now, that doesn't mean the brother is born to give you adversity, even though it may seem like that sometimes as you're growing up and uh, finally reach maturity and appreciate each other more than, than having the adversity. But thank God for the strength that we're able to get from one another. I like how the message renders Proverbs 17, 17. Friends love through all kinds of weather, and families stick together in all kinds of trouble. So that extends it a little bit further than what uh, it might have been in terms of uh, just you know, ordinary events. But now we'll talk about um, a worker, an employee. God worked and uh, he created in six days and then he instituted the principle of rest. And, uh, and we know that the Holy Ghost is our rest. It's not just one day, it's every day. And thank the Lord we're able to enter into that rest. Hebrews 4 deals with that to a great deal, uh, not, not to um, uh, forsake or uh, lose out, but to enter in with faith into that rest. But I'm thankful we are laborers together with God. I don't have to do the work on my own. I have the Lord working with me and through me. And Philippians 1 and 6 lets us know that we can be confident, confident of the work 
that God is doing. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ, until the day that we don't need that work in our lives anymore because we've reached the realm of perfection. Praise God. And that's in his presence. And thank the Lord that day is coming. And I want to let that work continue. And I want to see that work continue in you as well because of the power of the Lord. Now, 2 Thessalonians uh, 3 and 10 speaks a real powerful truth uh, as Paul is instructing uh, the church and uh, Thessalonica and, of course, all of us down through the centuries. Even when we were with you, Paul wrote, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Pretty strong connection there, isn't there? Uh, basically saying, um, don't, don't be lazy. Don't, uh, uh, don't try to get out of work. Don't shirk your responsibilities. Uh, we know there are situations that come when you're not able to work. And sickness or disease or uh, some a disability or whatever. And we know those instances don't apply to this situation. But um, if, if a man is uh, able, he should be willing. And uh, that's what the scripture is telling us to do here. Colossians 3.22, uh, it addresses the idea of servants, but let's go with the idea of just a worker, an employee. Employees, obey in all things your employer according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. That's a key to a relationship that you would have on the job, making sure you're following through. Imagine Jesus working with Joseph, learning the trade of carpentry. Would he have said, I cut it twice and it's still too short? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think he would have uh, learned quickly, would applied himself diligently, and probably Joseph would send him out on jobs by himself. You know, as he becomes an older teenager, 16, 17, 18, here he goes. He's got his tools. He's got his equipment. He's going to the work site, and he can take care of it. He can get it done. Not because he's God in the flesh, but because he's a young man who is not afraid of work. And being the oldest in his family, do you think he took care of younger ones in his family? I'm sure he did, because there's quite a passel of them. And uh, they're named in Scripture, you know. And, and, uh, and the people who are criticizing Jesus are, where does he get his authority? You're talking about authority. Uh, his mom and dad are right here, and his brothers and sisters are right here, you know, and as though to claim he's human like the rest of us. Well, they had that part right, but he's also divinity. He's the God-man, and we thank the Lord that he applied himself to work and didn't shirk it, didn't sit around, didn't twiddle his thumbs. He, he got busy. Now, the, the Bible, the, that's a key to a relationship. The Bible also talks about employers, Colossians 4 and 1. Well, there's a great deal of uh, talk going around today, and, and rightly so. There, there needs to be justice. There needs to be equality and all of those sorts of things. And the scriptures say, masters give unto your servants or employers give unto your employees 
that which is just and equal, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. And uh, in other words, there's someone who desires justice and equality uh, in your dealings with people, so be sure that you're following through on that. Amen. Compliments almost seems to be a lost art uh, in this day and age, doesn't it? Um, giving compliments, receiving compliments. You don't have to, you know, to uh, be embarrassed about being paid a compliment. You just receive it with graciousness and, and thanks and, and uh, recognize that somebody is appreciating your work um, or your appearance or whatever it might be. But compliments that are sincere and specific express a kindness that almost seems to be evaporating from our world as well. And uh, employers have an opportunity to uh, demonstrate that. That's a key, a key to relationships. Now, the Bible gives instructions, specific instructions to children. Ephesians 6 and 1. And this is unique because uh, there's a connection, a connection that's made to a previous commandment centuries before, millennium before. And so, Ephesians 6 and 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And uh, obviously, it's very strong and very right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Ah, it's connected to something that was said before. Verse 3, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Wow, that's a pretty strong promise, a pretty strong connection that is there. And what is it connected to? Exodus 20 and 12, the Ten Commandments. So obviously, a very strong uh, meaning there in terms of being able to get along and a key to a relationship in a family. Now, the instruction to parents... Uh, likewise follows through in Ephesians 6 and 4, um, and fathers are addressed in this passage. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And uh, provoking to wrath is uh, being unreasonable, um, uh, demanding and demanding and demanding without understanding. They're just a kid. They're going to spill the milk. They are going to knock things over. You know, they, you just have to remember. And uh, unfortunately, there are some who are so entombed on discipline that uh, they don't allow uh, for those kinds of um, uh, development and maturity. Provoke not. And uh, instead, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You know, it's good to train them to say thank you. And make sure you say thank you. <laughs> and uh, become diligent in, in that area. Isaiah 49 and 15. Uh, the Lord makes mention of a woman and her child. Look at these sweet little babies that we have here. And the scripture asks the question, Can a woman forget her sucking child, a nursing child, so dependent, so vulnerable, so... Uh, in need of a mother's affection and care. 
Can she forget that she won't have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget. And it's sad to see that our society is becoming so callous about so many things and um, championing um, rights except for the unborn. It, it, it's, it's amazing, incredible. The scripture says they may forget, it may happen, but he assures us, I'll not forget you. Praise God. And thank the Lord we can have that kind of trust. And uh, the Lord is implying here a mother is nurturing, a mother is tender, a mother is compassionate, a mother is not going to forsake their young and um, is going to be there to help and to encourage and to lift up. And we thank the Lord for that kind of power and that kind of uh, blessing that comes from a mom and a dad uh, as they together have brought that little creation into being and uh, both share responsibility for um, its maturity, its growth, and its relationship with God. Amen. Thank the Lord. Now, Proverbs 20 and 18 has uh, application for um, marriage. You know, uh, I was, when we first got here, uh, a couple, young couple came and asked if I would marry them. Well, I said, sure, but I require counseling. And so they agreed to meet with me for counseling. And the ladies were having prayer up here on the Saturday that I scheduled counseling with them, so I couldn't be in my office, so I took them downstairs in the, the Sunday school room. And I'm sitting there sharing scripture with them, talking to them about what God expects of marriage and so on, and the ladies are up here praying. And it's getting louder. And pretty soon there's a victory march. And then somebody stopped right over the top of the room and had a dancing, shouting time with the Lord. And that couple was looking at each other. And I said, they're pretty noisy, aren't they? <laughs> they never came to church. Um, but I did perform the wedding, I guess. But counsel is a good thing. Proverbs 20 and 18, every purpose is established by counsel. And with good advice, make war. Now, that doesn't mean make war in your marriage. But it's something about the counsel that is so important. And you get that from the word of the Lord. Now, February 2nd is kind of special for, for me. Not because the groundhog sees its shadow or doesn't see its shadow or whatever. But 49 years ago, I looked into the eyes of a very, very beautiful woman and pledged my love to her. So, I'm very thankful for Alicia. She's tender, but she's tough. She's gifted and she's generous. She's a worker and she's wonderful. She's ingenious and industrious. She didn't drive until she was 29. That means the first 10 years of her life, she was at home. Now, that would drive anybody batty, but she didn't. 
She had three kids, and she just kept right on working. So I want to welcome her up here to this uh, uh, microphone, and she's going to share some very important things with us as we continue our lesson here about keys to relationships. Okay, but you've got your uh, I do. iPad ready to go there and some gems that she found online. All right, what are you going to well, start with? Well, not all of them were online. Oh. <laughs> no. Okay, key to a happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Ah, I'll go with that one. Two good forgivers Yeah, is what makes a marriage work. All right, got to be good at forgiveness. All right, what else? Knowing how to resolve conflicts is an important key to a successful marriage. However, you can't resolve anything unless you are willing to treat your spouse's words or feelings as important as your own. Be careful with your words. Once they are said... They can only be forgiven, not forgotten. And practice the pause. When in doubt, pause. When angry, pause. When stressed, pause. And when you pause, pray. Yeah. Very good. Very good. You know, there are those that count to 10 or whatever, trying to control their temper and so on, and, and that's, that's, good. that's good to do because, um, like she said, they can be, words can be forgiven, but they probably won't be forgotten, and uh, words hurt. So, very important to remember. All right, what else? Guys, women are not that difficult. <laughs> if you made a mistake, tell her you're sorry, and if she made a mistake, Tell her you're sorry. <laughs> All right. That one might be kind of hard to do. <laughs> but no, it sounds good. All right, what else? My husband is wonderful, and I know that he would take a bullet for me. I know that. However, <laughs> he would criticize the way I drove him to the hospital. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Slow down. Speed up. Are the lights on? Oh, yeah. Okay. Marriage is like a deck of cards. In the beginning, all you need is two hearts and a diamond. By the end, you wish you had a club and a spade. <laughs> oh, that's why some people don't want to play cards. Okay. Yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> okay. More wisdom. If you want to have a great marriage, you need to be humble enough to ask yourself, what changes do I need to make? Wow. And um, looking at yourself, looking at the person in the mirror, when uh, considering change or the necessity of change is a good start, an excellent start. And sometimes that's the only thing that needs to change. And then everything will smooth out. So, be, be willing to do that. Okay? <laughs> the next time your wife gets angry at you, <laughs> drape a towel over her shoulders like a cape and say, now you're super angry. <laughs> maybe she'll laugh or maybe you'll die. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want to get that close. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Okay, super angry. I'm sure that would go over <laughs> like the proverbial lead balloon. Yeah, don't try it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to. Surely you've got a better one than that. I do. <laughs> Always strive to give your spouse the very best of yourself not what's left over after you gave your best to everyone else. Well, that's especially true on the job. Uh, we, we work hard on the job. We're trying to do the best we can and all of that. And somebody said that uh, a home is where you go when you're tired of being nice to everyone. Well, you need to be nice to everybody at home, too, especially your spouse. All right. Placing blame in a marriage is like saying, your side of the boat is sinking. <laughs> okay. Everybody's going down. <laughs> so don't, uh, you know, don't be looking to place blame, but look for change and where that change needs to start. You got some more? Yes. This is a good one. And don't jump to conclusions. Every woman's dream is that a man will take her in his arms, throw her into bed, and then clean the whole house while she sleeps. <laughs> well, I can try that, but don't complain about where things get misplaced yeah. or if it's not done the way you want. <laughs> Instead of ragging about your spouse, try bragging about them. Build them up. Don't tear them down. Focus on what they are doing right instead of always pointing out what they are doing wrong. All right. Compliments that we talked about earlier. Compliments. You know, my, um, my work at the school um, went from about 8 o'clock to about 5, 5.30, however long I stayed. Then I brought some home in a briefcase. But when I got home, my wife was still working, uh, finishing up the meal. Then she worked cleaning the table and washing the dishes. Then she worked getting uh, the boys ready for bed. And uh, then she worked getting my lunch ready for the next day. Well, I may have finished grading papers and only took me a half hour, an hour, whatever it was. But my point is, she kept working. And uh, we've got to be appreciative of that. Because the next day, it starts all over again. Very same routine. Work, work, work. Okay, what else? Yeah, I just want to add to that. There is never a day when you can get up and say, this is the last day that I'm going to make my bed. <laughs> no. You know? Unless you sleep in a hammock, I guess. I, I guess. Know. God gave us mouths that close and ears that don't. That should tell us something. <laughs> That's a good one, not just for marriage. That's for everything. A mouth that closes, but ears that don't. Hmm, very good. Are you done? I'm done. All right, give her a hand, please. <laughs> what a great job. What a great job. Okay, let's continue on here. Good instructions, I appreciate that. The scripture gives us instructions also. Husbands, Ephesians 5, 25. 
Ephesians 5 is where we're going to stay for a few minutes here, so if you want to turn there, you're welcome to. Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's a tremendous degree of love, way up there, sacrificial, selfless, a love that is complete. And, um, and the scripture goes on to describe uh, that love even more. Verse 20, uh, 28. Verse 28 of Ephesians 5. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. Huh. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. Now how can that be? Because the Lord said you're going to be one flesh. And uh, that, that oneness, that togetherness, uh, is, is there to be fostered, to be increased, uh, to, to grow, not, not to be torn down. Verse 33 continues the description of a husband's love. Verse 33, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. So there's that degree of love. Again, that is so important. And I like the way the Amplified, could you put the Amplified up on uh, that particular one, verse 33? They really, really amplify it. Okay? However, each man among you, without exception, is to love his wife as his very own self, with behavior worthy of respect and esteem, always seeking the best for her, with an attitude of loving kindness. And the wife must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband, that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern, treasuring him, honoring him, and holding him dear. I like that amplification. A marriage seminar in one verse. Just uh, if we can fulfill that, what a key to a relationship that the marriage would become. Now, a husband's love is the key to making family dynamics work. When a husband's love matches this description, fulfills this description, which I know is a tall order, but God can help us, we who are husbands, God can help us. And uh, when it's in place the way it should, they're agreeing the submitting, the obeying, all of that becomes much more likely because it's, uh, it's lubricated by the aspect of love. And uh, thank God it can work way more smoothly. Now, Proverbs 18 and 22 lets us know about what a wife in the Lord's eyes and can bring uh, to us, because the Lord who instituted marriage between a man and a woman. Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. Praise God. And obtaineth favor of the Lord. So, a husband who has the good fortune to have a wife who is serving God with him and raising his children in the house of the Lord should treat her and treasure her because she's good 
and she brings favor of the Lord. And thank God that that is the relationship that the scripture talks about. And the wife then should work to be what is good and bring favor. Not that it, it, uh, it, it states it being required. No, it just says it's going to be there. But to be that person is so important. And thank God for the opportunity to uh, fulfill what the Word of God says. Now, Titus 2 and 4 gives us um, a, a picture again of what a wife should be. And this is instruction from Paul uh, to the elderly women, that they teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. And um, uh, notice it says sober. Now, now free from intoxicants um, is, could be the meaning as well. But it, it means not somber, not dismal, not depressing. But the Greek uh, sober means a sound mind. Does that make you think of another scripture? Second mm-hmm. Timothy 1.7. Yeah. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Praise God. I'm very thankful that the Lord fulfills his word. Amen. And the wife to love her husband, according to what this verse says. See, I point that out because I've had people, I've been talking to them, trying to help them in their marriage and so on. I've had people point out from Ephesians 5 uh, very adamantly, see, you're supposed to love your wife. doesn't say anything about me loving you, <laughs> but you are to love your wife. Well, says here, love your husband. Okay. Love will make all the other terms associated with wives all the more possible, all the more likely. And those other terms in Scripture are submit, reverence, be subject, and obey. And um, again, scriptural terms, but love will make them easier to fulfill. As I remind you, 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never fails. And that's what we pray for. Amen. And so we work to make marriage work. You know, we pray to find the right one. And when we do, we need to pray to be the right one. You know, not just expect, okay, I prayed for you. Now you've got to be the answer to everything. No, I have to be the one to step up and say, this is what I need to do as as my part in the home. Amen. Marriage begins with two, and um, then the empty nest happens, and um, if uh, uh, those two have followed through on the uh, workings of the scripture and so on, uh, those original two will end up being by themselves again. And that's the way it should work. Amen. Amen. Now, the last key. I, uh, uh, Brother Brother Yaden introduced me to a product called Slick 50. Anybody remember Slick 50? Okay, Brother Rick does. Mike does. It's an additive to the engine. And uh, as a sales tool, I had a little Briggs & Stratton engine 
And um, I bought that engine when I could, couldn't afford it, but I knew it was going to help me make sales because this was direct sales. It wasn't retail. Um, and I had to break in that engine, and then I had to treat it with Slick 50. And the reason it was a sales tool is I could take it out of my trunk, I could start it up and show uh, someone who I was demonstrating this to, and then shut it off and show them through a clear panel that there's no oil in that engine, none. It would run because it was treated with Slick 50. It would run and, and not freeze up. Because normally, you run an engine without oil, clunk, it's done. And you got to rebuild. But Slick 50 treated engines had better compression. And this is amazing because it's just a micron layer of Teflon on the steel in the engines. But yet it improved compression, it improved mileage, uh, it increased the RPMs. Uh, it was amazing. Just uh, an incredible thing. I don't, there was a problem with using Teflon, which is a registered trademark, and uh, so Slick 50 had to change its name. It, it became a, uh, a retail product. Uh, then it disappeared, and then others came, and now they're gone. I don't know why Teflon didn't recognize that there was something here, and they would jump in on that market and, and uh, use their trademark name uh, in a whole nother entity and make a whole bunch of money. I don't know why they did, didn't go in on that. But I want to tell you how you can decrease friction. You can increase the relationship and its positive aspects and make it last. And this is how. You ready? Luke 6.31. Very simple. Very easy. And something you'd known all along. As you would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. What did we call that? The golden rule. The golden rule. That's the oil that reduces friction and makes for positive relationships that will last. Amen. Now, commitment to that goes against your flesh. Your flesh will want to rise up and I'm going to pay back. I'm going to do to them what they did to me. And, um, and unfortunately, that's what happens. But Proverbs 24, 29 gives us um, instruction um, to avoid. Proverbs 24, 29. If you can grab that one for us, Amelia, I'd appreciate it. Proverbs 24, 29. Say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. That's what our flesh says. That's what we want to do. I'm going to pay back. But Jesus said, do to them the way you want them to treat you. And uh, that's what we've got to be able to do. 
And the fruit of the Spirit, obviously, is the way to get that done. Love, joy, peace, goodness, faithfulness, temperance, and on and on the list goes of nine fruit of the Spirit that are all positive. They're all going to make you feel better and to make those around you feel better because you will treat them in a better way. Now, I was reading one of my books, and I can't remember which one it was, but there was a, 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 a couple of pages that showed all major religions have a statement similar to the golden rule. Every one of them. Islam, Buddhism, Confucianism, all of them. They all have a statement that goes right along with what Jesus said. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And um, that, I, I think, is very significant. In fact, I've read uh, in some of the leadership books that I have that uh, even corporations say, we have one rule for our employees, and that is the golden rule. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Treat others the way you want to be treated. Amen. Now, the scripture says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. Now, the way that's phrased there in Galatians 6, the way it's phrased, we put it in a negative connotation. But put it in a positive connotation. Say, what good things you put out are the good things that are going to come back. And the way you treat others is the way it's going to come back to you. God is not mocked. His word is going to be fulfilled. It is going to come to pass. Amen. And this verse that we read initially said, do good unto all. And uh, there are some who will cut you off. There are some who will come charging right through those dumb roundabouts and not let you out. And uh, there are some who are going to crash into you with their shopping cart, you know, all kinds of things that are going to be problematic. But do to others the way you would have them do unto you. In fact, initiating that, I think, is the way to bring about the changes. Do good unto all, especially to them who are of the household of faith. And thank God we have the privilege of being in that household. Right. Amen. And, all, and we're praying for a key person. We're praying God lead us to a key people that, that we can bring into this truth and then see the whole household, praise God, come as a result and join the household of faith. Praise God. So do unto others as you would have them do unto you applies to evangelism, I think. Amen. You would want to be told about something good, something powerful, something positive, something wonderful, something miraculous, something incredible, something fantastic, something wonderful. Praise God. Tell them about it because that's all Jesus is. Every bit of it. Praise God. A treasure hidden in the field. The pearl of great price. You know, the, no matter how we try to describe it, they fall far short of what he really is. And that's why he's going to give us eternity to worship him and to praise him and to discover even greater things 
than what he's done. You know, sometimes we, uh, we stop and think, uh, what did the Lord preserve us from? What did the Lord protect us from? And we didn't even know it. We weren't even aware. Angelic beings are there to minister to those who are the heirs of salvation. Who's that? That's you. In case you didn't know, <laughs> that's you. And there are ministering spirits. And, and many times we are not even aware. But oh my, I, I, I think eternity is going to reveal some of that. And we're going to be able to praise him some more. Thank God. And exalt him and lift him up. Amen. How great it is. Let's, let's make sure we're, we're treating others uh, the way we would want to be treated. And, and, uh, and tell them about how good Jesus is. How wonderful he is. Amen. And included in evangelism. Stand with me, please. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Let's go ahead and come as we, uh, we generally close our services this way. And I think it's good for us to do so again. Thank the Lord. Praise God. What a challenge that the Lord gives to us and his word. And I thank God that he helps us to fulfill his word. It's not a whole bunch of commands that are impossible. Not a, not a, a standard that's uh, no way you're going to be able to reach it. No human possibility that you're going to be able to fulfill it. No, thank God he fills us with his spirit so that we can be more like him. We can be empowered. We can be uplifted. We can be strengthened and know his goodness and blessing in our lives. Praise God. I'm thankful that we can know him and his goodness in our lives. Let's go ahead and give him praise here tonight and worship him here for a few minutes.